0: it's another week here on lollygagging sports as always i'm here with uh my my co-host samantha Button and matthew irby uh we're going to be chatting a little a little baseball we're going to we're going to have some fun with some awards uh we we'll to bring up some stuff with the nfl and we have a brand new interactive segment for you at the end of the show involving the nfl uh but first uh let, let me check in on these co-hosts of mine, see how we're doing samantha how are things going
1: good good i, I heard enter sandman and i thought are, is there a mariano rivera segment tonight that i don't know about <laughs> Hmm, very interesting He's
0: Bo Reed, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, I am Bo. Think, you know, I always forget that. I forget <laughs> to introduce myself. I got so wrapped up in here, Sandman. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've done Motley Crue. I've done Poison. I was like a little Metallica. To kick yeah, us off, okay. you know. I, mean, I like I, mean, it. I, think, I think it's about okay. it. it was about that time. It's about that time. Irby, how about you? How are things down there in Texas?
2: I cold, but but Texas cold, not like real cold, like Texas <laughs> cold. But um. <laughs>
0: You know what's funny about that? Obviously, Samantha, you live in New York. Um, I thought that when I when I lived in Baltimore for that two and a half years, I would experience real colds. And I'm not so sure it was, cause, based off of, of the weather projections for the Northeast that are coming up over the next handful of days.
1: I, yeah, even New York is not real cold. Like, I'm from Cleveland, man. Like, this is a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lake affects snow, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it snows like six inches here, and the city shuts down. And I'm like, <laughs> it snowed like six feet, and you were expected to go to school the next day.
0: Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, Lake effect snow is no joke.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's jump right into it then. Um, so we're we're gonna have some fun here. Uh, obviously, tis the season. Um, it, it's time for the. 2022 season awards for Major League Baseball MVP Coach of the Year Executive of the Year Stuff like that you know, you know And that's all fine and dandy and you know We could have gone down that road and tried to Predict who's going to win what but you know the way These things are recorded and uh, The way these things are announced by Major League Baseball didn't Really provide us much fun so we're going to have some fun Here uh, we're going to do the opposite We're, we're going to do the our, I guess our version Samantha of the Razzies Is that the best way of putting this uh, we're gonna we're gonna flip the script. Uh, instead of doing MVP, we're gonna do LVP for least valuable player. Things like that. So let's kick this off uh, with that just mentioned. LVP, uh, the lollygagging LVP winner this year. Congratulations, uh, Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. Samantha, this was not a tough call. I yeah, this was a
1: pretty easy one. I think you. You can't do better for LVP than somebody who should have been an MVP, except they acted it all up. So he is the perfect (laughs) candidate for this. And especially for those of you out there, and I am somewhat in this camp who consider MVP a narrative award. I mean, the narrative for this is kind of perfect, right? Like, dude did it to himself. So if we're talking... You know, LVP, the MVP is never just the best baseball player, right? That's not how the award works. So we're not picking the worst baseball player. We're picking the least valuable. And when you take into consideration the contract, the circumstances under which it happened, what he should have been able to achieve, he is the perfect LVP candidate. Like, I don't know if you can do better than
0: this. (laughs) You know, and also, you know, just to kind of build on what you, the, the clarification you just made, it's not the best, it's the valuable. Another uh, another like piece of this that really just screams Tatis is I don't think that the Padres do anything different. At least at – let, let me take that back. They may have been worse in the postseason if he was playing, if he was on the active roster. They oh, viewing theory. Yes. Okay. So, 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 so yeah. So I, I don't think they do as good. They certainly don't do any better. Than they did. I mean, they, they they already exceeded expectations. Of course, you know, sort of the Phillies, but that's neither here nor there. But Tatis, I don't. Th- I actually think they would have done worse. They had to bow out in the division series, like they always do, to the Dodgers. Had Tatis been playing?
1: Well, I mean, I I certainly think it's almost impossible to make the argument that they would have done better, right? Like right. Tatis are not like they hit their ceiling. They did better than any of us thought that they would, and. Also, I mean, it's—I don't know—it doesn't fit the exact model for Ewing theory, but like, it kind of does. So I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with this. I'm on board. I agree. I agree. I think that's a great supporting argument for this.
0: Irby, how about you? What are you, what are you thinking here with Fernando Tatis Jr. as the LVP? Any thoughts?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I love the selection. Um, outside of the uh, the the. Rangers double a Frisco Rough Riders where he was at when he tested positive and they sold out a couple games. So big MVP performance for them financially. Um, but yeah, LVP, you know, the, the, narrative you, you speak on, well, Samantha, this is something that, you know, history is written by the victors. I mean, we, we talk about that a lot, but it's also written by those on podcasts. And, and in this situation, we're going to talk about how we're rewriting history and, his 2022 numbers compared to his 2021 numbers, the guy had a 42-home run drop-off. He had 97 less RBI this year. I mean, that's just, this is, you know, he did improve. He did not get caught stealing this season. Uh, strikeouts way up. A very huge improvement in his strikeouts. So, you know, along there. But same number of triples as last year at, at zero. So, Yeah. Yeah, when, when you compare the numbers, and historically we look at his numbers, they, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad.
0: <laughs> not mentioned by uh, uh, Mr. Irby, there was how much time he missed <laughs> this year between injury Irrelevant. And
2: Irrelevant. And Irrelevant.
1: That doesn't matter. It, LBT has no regard for sample
0: size.
2: This is a <laughs> yeah. narrative <of> horror. <laughs> We horror. We are strict facts. I Nothing I said was not a fact. I, I kept it pure facts. It politician facts, but, you know
0: facts. You no, you did. You 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 did. You 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 did. Um, and and the uh, Samantha, you just kind of nailed it there with the politician facts. That's exactly what it was. All right. Um, moving on. So, I've got to give it back a little bit of background before, um, we get into this next one because some of these awards we have named after specific people, specific players, specific managers, specific um, executives. Uh, This is one of them. Uh, This is going to be the reverse of the Cy Young. This is the worst pitcher of the year. And uh, Samantha actually did the research on this, and she came up with the perfect pitcher name, but it's not a household name. This is a pitcher who in 1883 lost 48 games. Now, Samantha, you have to correct me on this, but I'm fairly certain that was not a 162-game season. (laughs) That came about in 1961. so It was not. So his 48 losses, those 48 losses are in a a season that's even shorter than the one we have now. Uh, His name was John Coleman, and he had, without a doubt, has to be the worst single season in baseball history with 48 losses in 1883. So this year we're doing the John Coleman Worst Pitcher of the Year, and that goes to – this will surprise me. It really did. Uh, but Patrick Corbin really fell off this year. Uh, his ERA was way above six. I don't even want to look at his whip. Uh, and probably, Samantha, the best way to sum up uh, young Patrick's season, he had one complete game in which he lost the game. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it, it's the perfect, like, microcosm of what happened to Patrick Corbin this season. And it's, it's a little bit of a difficult award to pin down because – You have to be really bad, but you also have to be good enough to keep your job, if that makes sense. Because if you're just bad, you're going to get DFA. So you have to be bad but expensive enough where they really can't just, like, get rid of you. So that eliminates a lot of the bad pitchers. But fortunately for us, sometimes these things just work out, right? Because Patrick Corbin actually did accrue the highest number of losses. any starting pitcher this season. So it worked out kind of beautifully because the guy who you kind of have to give it to because it has to be somebody who actually stuck around for the full duration of the season that can actually rack up those kinds of numbers but was also terrible while doing it. So thank you Patrick for kind of making this a little bit easier for us than perhaps it might have been in some other seasons where you don't necessarily get something that. That works out quite that beautifully, or terribly, um, if you're if you're Patrick and, and Nationals. But uh, yeah, that, that complete game, man. That, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to sum this up.
0: <laughs> I am curious, and most of my questions really are about John Coleman and not Patrick Corbin. Like, what was his rent support <laughs> in 1883? <laughs> Obviously, this is way the Babe Ruth was the, I think Babe Ruth was born yet in 1880. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and you're still talking about when you have to throw what the batter wants. Right. right. So, yeah. like, Let's give John Coleman some credit here. He was not necessarily in charge of his own repertoire because at this point in time, we had, I mean, first of all, the number of balls and strikes would have been really different um, <laughs> that was required for a walk or a strikeout. Um, you could still, at this point, plug runners to get them out. So it was a really different game back then, and, and maybe most importantly, the batter was allowed to tell you, you know, I want it high, I want it low, I want it inside, I want it outside So. For John, it's a, a slightly more difficult job. <laughs> so, so you know, some some sympathy for him. Uh, but it is a, a way for a guy who was not very good, uh, even by the standards of his era, to to live on in infamy,
0: as it were. <laughs> it's also worth noting that the that the, the fields at that time, that I guess the, the the quote unquote stadiums, whatever you want to call them.
1: Um, field is a better word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the, the dimensions were very much contingent on the acre of land they were on and how it was constructed. So this will tell what kind of field dimensions <laughs> he was playing. Yeah, I
1: mean, there there may have been like a tree in center field. This, you know, like if you're thinking about playing games in like Hoboken, for example, like the Elysian Fields, where you know, like there was just like people having picnics in the outfield. So. Right. There, there were some obstacles that, that no longer exist here and the field dimensions were not, I mean even the dimensions of the infield, like at this point we still don't even have like a definitive um, distance, you know the, the bases were not necessarily <laughs> equidistant at this point. Um, so just some things to keep in mind that poor for Donald Coleman, he you know he had a lot of obstacles to overcome on his way to his 48 loss season.
0: Oh, you know, it's just it's like you dive into the history of this game. It's, it just never surprises you. Oh, excuse me. Take that back. It always surprises you. Irby, how about you? Yes, fascinating. Irby, how about you? <laughs> Any thoughts here on John Coleman or Patrick Corbin?
2: Uh, I, the John Coleman, love all that stuff. Great job. Great research. Love the name. Um, very fitting of a, a trophy. I can see the trophy now. Hanging your hat, dropping the hat. You're hanging your head, dropping the hat kind of trophy. Um, Patrick Corbin, yeah, you know, he's a two-time All-Star. I know that really doesn't mean a ton, but he is. He is a two-time All-Star. He was representative of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, In that final season with Arizona in 2018, he struck out 246, uh, finishing third in the league a year later with Washington, 238, finishing fourth. Great, awesome. He's barely beaten those numbers combined in the following three seasons. Uh, yeah, this one fell off, fell off quick. Uh, that whip though that you were so hesitant to want to learn, yeah, 1.70. Ooh, that's why um, I was
0: hesitant,
2: Irby. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it is all about perspective, you know, because we could look at this and I could tell you that, yeah, for the third straight season, Patrick Corbin has led the league in hits. Um, back-to-back seasons, he scored the most runs. And, um, you know, fifth in home runs this year, first last year. Unfortunately, when you're a pitcher, those are not so great. But my favorite one, y'all mentioned the losses. Um, Patrick does do the job right. He goes back-to-back seasons with most losses. Uh, 16 last year. 19 this year. 16 last year, he tied himself with Luis Castillo. The best part about that? Second place with fifteen losses last year? Sandy Alcantara. I feel like Sandy turned it around a little bit.
0: Just a justice <laughs> Just a Hey, Samantha, this might be the the cautionary tale for him because Patrick Corbin was pretty good not too long ago and then just completely fell off. You know, you, had, you can't let what your really good season say, Hey, I'm good, I'm here, and then get shelled.
1: Well, yeah, and and Sandy Alcantara won the opposite of this. He won a Cy Young, which is the opposite of this award, uh, just a a few hours ago on Wednesday night as we are taping this. So, yeah, I mean, cautionary tale. Is this like the thing that you show your pitcher after he wins a Cy Young? Like, listen, man, don't get complacent, because here's what can happen to you. You could get John Coleman. You don't want to get John Coleman on Gang
0: Sports. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't. You really really don't. Okay. Moving on, uh, the... Tony LaRussa, Worst Manager of the Year Award. Samantha, we are awarding this to, wait for it, wait for it, Tony LaRussa.
1: <laughs> I love when you can give the award to the person it's named after. I mean, this is just tremendous. I mean, he has fallen asleep during games, he has misunderstood more rules than he has understood. I. This just absolutely delights me. The only thing that I am sad about is that Tony will not be with us again next season. And you know how some people are bad at their jobs and you're just like, man, this person's terrible. I can't wait to get him out of there. I mean, we had a a person in the broadcast booth uh, during this postseason who I think we would all hope to never hear that person's voice again, Mm -hmm. ever, Mm -hmm. under any circumstances. But I'm sad that we're not getting more Tony. And yes, I say this, as a DMs fan who loves to see a team in my own division being sabotaged by their own manager's bad decisions. But it's also kind of fun. Tony's fun bad, right? Like, it's delightful to be able to give this award to someone who is fun bad, as opposed to, like, I hate looking at this. It is a travesty for baseball bad. This is, like, entertaining bad. It's delightful. I'm going to miss Tony very dearly next season, and I'm (laughs) glad that he could get an award on his way out.
0: You know, I, I can sympathize with that. I, I think that's how you – know, I don't always like to speak for Irby, Irby but I think I can here. Uh, we feel the same way um, about – oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. The Angel's owner. Help, right. me, out, help me out here, Irby. Artie,
1: Artie Marino. Artie Marino, thank you.
0: Why was I blanking? For some reason, I was thinking Angelos. I was I was, I was, was with the Orioles for a second. Orioles. No. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, that, that's how we feel about Artie Marino there, Irby. Uh we're not look, you know, we're not looking forward to him being gone <laughs> as, as Rangers fans. What do you, what's your take here on Tony La Russa to Irby?
2: You know, the, the, the sad thing about Tony is is we, we could sit here and we could all over his 35 years as a manager and, and just find some amazing things from the 105-win you know, season with the Cardinals uh, multiple success, including the 89 World Series with the A's um, and the stretch there where they won over 300 games in a three-season period and, you know, three AL pennants in a World Series title. So, lots of wonderful, wonderful things with Tony. The unfortunate thing is, is you know, sometimes you get remembered on how you go out and... Well, 2011 World Series champs, I know we hate talking about that, Bo, but that probably would have been a real good way Mm -hmm. for Tony to go out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, Tony, after a decade, let me me say that again just so it sinks in. After a decade off, (laughs) came back to do two years managing a very potent, a, a high potential Chicago White Sox team absolutely no reason this Chicago White Sox team that they've had should not have been successful, but under the tutelage of 76, now 77 year old Tony La Russa. Um, I, it ended exactly how we kind of all thought 81 and 81. I mean, it's almost sadly perfect for a, an above average manager for a career. It ends average and it's just I, you. We look at the White Sox, and I, and I. I mean, it's not, and they're not in a great place. They were, they had an opportunity, but they're not in a great place now. And and what happens in the off season might be, you know, a different story, and, and, and they get back. But but with the success the Twins have had and the D's have had, it's not good for Chicago. The window was there, and as the front office and some of the youth were opening the window, Tony, while yelling at the sun closed the window himself. 81 and 81, the perfect ugh to how this ended. You know,
1: I mean, they, got to- they got Kenny Rogers. You got a no one to hold him and no one to fold him. <laughs> 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 no one to walk away and no one to run. There you go. And they should have run from Tony. Or Tony should have run from them or something. Instead he brought- carved and stayed too long at the fair. Thanks.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, and the thing is... I, I, I think that's is it, it's, not it's not necessarily like the decade off it's the stage to longer of the fair because because it seemed like throughout the entire season he didn't understand his own team and that's because his own team was 2022 major league baseball not 2011 major league baseball and there is a big difference between the two right he' he's, he never seemed to quite understand his own team unlike what erby was talking about. Ten years ago when you know he was winning World Series with the Cardinals or before that in the early nineties when he was winning a World Series with the A's and they were and the A's were actually good enough to make it out of the division series Oakland A's. You know, like
1: he also didn't understand the rules that of too two thousand twenty two <laughs> baseball. Like the the game right. passes you by. <laughs> and that's what happened at to poor Tony. Uh, thank you for bringing by. that
2: up. You you want a fun little thing there? Uh yeah, the challenges Tony, you know, getting to challenge plays in his final two seasons, he challenged 35 calls in the two years. He got 54.3% of them right. With the bottoming out this year of 46%, he was 12 of 26 on challenges. And you have to believe, Mm -hmm. at bare minimum, eight of those 12 challenges were like the obvious ones that we were all like, oh, yeah, yeah, challenge that, yeah, easy overturn." Not good, Tony.
0: Not good. (laughs) Not good at all. No. (laughs) All right. The Delman Young worst rookie of the year. Samantha, this is actually interesting because back in March, this particular player was the topic of discussion about whether or not he was going to be held back to start the season to manipulate his service time. That was the conversation. And here we are in November after having played the season. And one, Jared Kalenick out there in Seattle is now, he's gone from, are they manipulating his service time to he was the worst rookie this year?
1: I, first, uh, just some quick background. The reason we named this after Delman Young is because this was a person who won rookie of the year and then went on to just be a complete disaster. Um, as a, both a person and a baseball player. At one point, he hit a guy with a bat um, after being demoted to the minors. And then one of the funniest things that I've ever seen like typo-wise was that um, all his bobbleheads were showing up on, I guess it would have been eBay at that time um, for super cheap, but there was a typo in them, so it said Demon Young instead of Delmon Young, <laughs> which is kind of appropriate for somebody who hit a dude with a bat. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> tremendous stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, Jared Kalnick, it's, you're right, you know, this was the big, he was the name in terms of service time manipulation and what are the Mariners going to do, and obviously, you know, they had all those problems where they had to fire somebody a year before that because they basically admitted to service time manipulation, and, and most of the stuff that went wrong there actually had to do with Julio Rodriguez, who went the opposite direction, but... Rodriguez isn't the guy we were talking about at the beginning of the season with the Mariners. You know, who are they going to hold back and are they going to screw this up? It was Jared Kelnick. And it turns out that you, you can't accuse somebody of manipulating service time if they have to demote the person because the person stinks. <laughs> so poor Jared Kelnick. I, I think there's still an opportunity for him. And I am certainly not ready to call this guy a bust or totally washed or anything like that yet. But I mean, you talk about somebody who's just incredibly, incredibly disappointing despite being. This tremendous prospect, where and who was traded for a gentleman named uh, Edwin Diaz, um, who just uh, signed an extraordinarily lucrative contract after being just an absolutely tremendously good lights out closer for the Mets, um, Kelnick being one of the principal pieces of that deal. So Seattle looking like they're really
0: on the wrong end of
1: that trade. But the good news is, guys, they're not manipulating a service time, so they got that going tomorrow.
0: (laughs) I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually okay with Seattle dealing Diaz to the Mets because I kept them from dealing Diaz to the Astros in the middle of a pennant race.
1: (laughs) Instead, they sent them Kendall Graven, who cried. Uh, Poor guy. Still feel bad about that. Not the same as Diaz. Yeah, not quite. (laughs) Not
0: quite. Irby, what's, what's your take on, on, on Kelnick here? Is this just a just bad timing for a bad year? Is he going to be able to turn it around?
2: I, you know what's the funniest thing about that trade that you just mentioned, Samantha, is that those weren't even the highlights in it. It was Robbie Cano and Jay Bruce. That was the conversation. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's quickly turned to Diaz and Kelnick. Um Oh yeah, I turn it around, boy. I hope so. I, I, I it's nothing personal, nothing against the guy, but it, it's this is not this is not good. I mean, I that two thousand one we had the same problems and it wasn't good. The issues that he was having in two thousand twenty one, and now here we are in twenty two, and you're, you guys are talking about the service on but it got worse. I mean, this is. It's <laughs> is Bad <laughs> of of where he's going, and the crazy thing is, is the AAA numbers, the Tacoma numbers are not bad. Uh, I, I, you know, and and whether it's where he's playing out in that, that PCL league, are, are the numbers heightened because of where you're at? It's possible. I mean, it was over a thousand OPS. He was approaching a um, thousand this year. OPS in AAA, great numbers and all, but. Man, it's uh, whew. I'm I'm trying here. I, I expected batting average one seventy two. Not it's not, and and it's he's putting balls in play is the problem. Uh, he had a great exit velocity. It was one of the best ones in the league. It's just he wasn't hitting the ball. I I I don't I don't, I don't know. I, I this is. The, the, sometimes we see issues like that, and it's fixable things. It's it's the swing here, it's the patience there, it's the it's this kind of you know it's stuff like that. But Jared, it, it's not. That's not the issue. The issue is, is I, I, I I don't know. I don't think it's bats. I don't think it's pitch selection or what it is. But this is not good. Um. I, again, I wish him the best. I hope they figure it out, but. I, I don't know, this has the feeling of one of those guys that gets DFNA and picked up immediately and that happens four or five times. I mean this is this is Willie Calhoun, right? This is starting to feel like Willie Calhoun.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's actually a good little comp um, between the two. Okay. Uh, worst executive executive of the year. You know, I going to remember how to talk as we record this, Samantha. Uh, the Jerry Topoto. Worst executive of the year. Uh, this is going to go to uh, you know a fellow member of the AL West. Uh, one, Perry Manasian, out in in you know Los Angeles, Baja, Southern California, Tijuana Angels. Um, it, it it comes down to this. You you've got two of the biggest stars in the game, and you, you can't finish what higher than what third, fourth. What did they finish this year, third or fourth? They were, they were right there with the Rangers for third. The they finished they third. They were ahead of Texas. Third, okay, yeah. So they finished third. Like, like that's the best they got, Samantha. That, that's the best that Perry Manation can do. You know, they end up they, they do a managerial change halfway through, and he he does take the blame for it, which we gave him credit for on this show. He does take the, he does take the blame for it, but you know that's all fine and dandy. But at what point does this turn around for the Halos? I mean,
1: isn't this just like? Don't we all foresee this being? sort of evergreen award that's going to always go to the angels because yeah other than just giving the Jerry DePoto award to Jerry DePoto in certain seasons which I think you could have made an excellent argument for last year um as well as many years in the past like I it doesn't even matter if it's Harry or if it's someone else it's always the angels front office that does this I mean part of me wants to give this award to Artie Moreno even though he's Ah. an owner Mm -hmm. not a GM or a team president because you know he's calling the shots there but like in what universe do you have Otani, who is the MVP? I don't care. I judge wins that I'm not recognizing that. The, the MVP absolutely should be Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Um, he is without a doubt the most valuable player in every sense of the word and Mike Trout on your team, but you can't figure out how to get like some like slightly above average pitching to go with that. So Otani's going to do everything and like what you, did you just think oh we got this one guy we can quit now i mean it's the angels have been doing this pretty much since the last time they won a world series it's horrendous and it never changes so i mean perry yeah part of the problem but isn't he really just a mouthpiece like for arty because we we know who's doing this and it's baffling to me that you're willing to like pay the posting fee for a time and we keep this enormous contract on Mike Trout, which both of those things are fine. Those are both good moves if you have the money to do it. And then it's not like you're even out of money. This isn't like an Alex Rodriguez and the Rangers situation. Like, whoops, we spent all our money on one guy. Probably not the best way to go, but at least we'll put butts in feet. Like, no, 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 they still had money after that. And you're like, hmm, this might be a great time to beef up the pitching staff. And what yeah. did they do? They signed Anthony Randall, which they did not need. I just, I mean, what is the strategy? What do you think the strategy is here? Is there a strategy? What is that strategy? What would you call this strategy? Like, uh, it's just, losing? it's inexcusable.
0: It's a losing.
1: Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to lose and win an MVP. That's what we're doing. You know, and they're gl- really good at that. They're really good at it.
0: I'm, I'm glad you brought up Aaron in Texas because I was thinking the same thing here. Uh, like, like you know, it, it's, it's you know, they spend the money and. The difference, though, is, you know, is, is Tom Hicks, Irby. We all we all know, Tom Hicks stopped spending money. Like like he, he wouldn't have gone out. That's and done right, right. He ran out of
1: money. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's even worse than the A Rod
0: day. It's Tom Hicks ran
1: out of money. At least he had that excuse. They he still was literally f- bankrupt.
0: But that's the thing. They they still kept spending money, right? Which, which is what yeah. Tom Hicks didn't do, right? Like, like I'm really glad you brought that up because that, that's a really good way of, of tying this together on why this is the worst front office. In baseball, because Irby, as Samantha has said, it's fine to sign the big contracts for Trout because he's worth every dime of it. Atani's worth every dime. In fact, Atani's worth more than what they paid him. They still have the money to spend, yet they're spending it incorrectly. I agree with Samantha. I think it's worse.
2: Oh, it's absolutely worse. This is... (laughs) Tom Hicks made no no bones about this. This was... This is about putting butts in seats and seats in the show. And there was a good show, and it got some butts and seats for a while. You just stopped spending. The Angels fully believed that the roster that they ran out in, in April was going to compete with the now, um, to be determined later, World Series champion, Houston Astros. They fully believed that they had a team that was going to compete with the Astros and the Yankees, and the Dodgers, and the Mets. They fully believe that, and that's the problem, is that you looked at that team you're like, yeah, 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 we got this. That lineup? No, no. That rotation? Absolutely not. And it will be interesting to see. I, I think the Anthony Rendell, what's crazy about that is, is that one actually didn't really shock me that much, and it's just because that is exactly who they are. I, I I that went into because that is the Angels that 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 signing of Anthony Rendon was a reaction. Alibi. Seven years later, to not getting Adrian Beltray.
0: Exactly what it was. They
2: the Adrian Beltray wanted to be an Angel. They didn't sign him. He goes to the Rangers and had finishes up a Hall of Fame career. Now it's like, well, shoot. Next time we have one of those, we have to do it. And it sounds stupid, but talking about the Angels here, so that's probably exactly what it is so i don't i mean whatever like you guys do you it's great and uh keep it up angels
0: <laughs> you know the funniest part about that is is the angels on the rindon thing samantha they still ended up with a fuzzy end of the lollipop right because they missed out on Beltre, they, they go they go toe-to-toe with the rangers on beltray belt the rangers get beltray and beltray has his fantastic close to his career, then, then they then they overspend on Rendon to keep that from happening again just to have Rendon not really do all that much just yet for the Angels. Now, there's still time on that contract. They could, they could still come out on top here, but I still think it's funny that they, they spent so much money to win that battle just to really end up losing it.
1: Well, especially considering they were trying to outbid somebody who wasn't even competitive. At that point, like they just ignored the team in their division that, you know, cheaters or not was their main competition because they were upset about the Rangers scooping them on a player a very long time ago at a point where, by the way, the Rangers were competitive at that point and the Angels were not (laughs) because they do things like (laughs) (laughs) So they thought they would double down, be like, oh, but we're going to get you this time. And Texas is like, that's nice. We're rebuilding. Go ahead. Like, okay. Like, whether they were in on Rendon or not doesn't really matter (laughs) because it wasn't even a factor in how this division took out. Because while Texas was like, nope, we're in the rebuilding process and the Angels were doing whatever the hell it is that they do, Houston has been the winner, year in and year out, of this division. Seattle came on, and Texas is coming back, and what are the Angels doing? The same old thing. So they're going to be a very, very expensive fourth-place team a year from now. Yikes. <laughs>
0: no, no, wait a they, they, they just got a good deal on a lefty. <laughs> mm-hmm. They'll be okay. I can't, I can't. All right, let's move on. One more before we get into uh, this week's NFL matchups. Um, the opposite of... Comeback Player of the Year Award, Samantha, is the Maybe You Should Have Retired Player of the Year Award. And this one, we're going to have some fun with this because this is is a favorite of the program uh, for a lot of different reasons, usually because we can have fun with it. Uh, The Maybe You Should Have Retired Player of the Year this year, Samantha, is one, Chris Sale. We don't have any lollygagging swag, but I'm sure if we did, he'd be he'd be taking some scissors to some lollygagging sports T shirts about now.
1: I, yeah, for a half second, like when you said program favorite, I was like, wait a minute, did we give this to Matt Harvey? Um <laughs> I but alas, alas, Matt Harvey taken from us too soon. Um I, I feel like it's one of those guys that want to put on one of those like goofy graphics that they put up like when someone dies and it's like gone too soon and they have the cartoon like angel wings on them or whatever. Oh, Matt Hardy, I miss you, man. Um, but I mean, Chris Bale, just tremendous, tremendous stuff. Like if there was ever a guy who like absolutely decided to cause a problem at every point in which you could just choose not to cause a problem, you could just not do it. You could just be like, you know what? I'm not going to cut up my throwback uniform today because I don't need to do that. My life is not going to be better if I chop up this throwback uniform. And then pretty much every choice he's made since then has reflected that. And it, I don't know that it, it's like, I'm not a big believer in karma. I wish karma was real. I'm not sure that it is. But Chris Sale would be a great argument in favor of karma in that you act like a complete jerk and things just kind of start happening to you. And you're like, you know, man, it's really all been downhill since he got hold of that pair of scissors. So perhaps something to think about if you were Chris Sale, because it's been a number of years now since that happened, and things are not getting better.
0: <laughs> you know, Irby, I, I used to think that uh, Juan Gonzalez refusing to play in, in the uh, – I think it was a hall of fame game or something they were wearing the old school unis and he didn't like the way the pants fit i always thought that was the most ridiculous thing until chris sale took some scissors to his jersey uh but and you know in, in terms of this year because we're talking about obviously this year it's still to me that like like the like the, you know, the red Sox were counting on him and what, what did he throw an inning <laughs> in, in a rehab start <laughs> that's all they got out of him this year
2: Yeah, I did that and then just started terrorizing everything in that clubhouse and destroying oh, things too. left and yeah. right. So I, I don't know. It's worth it. Was that worse than the scissors? Like, it's, I mean, whatever. This is, Chris, enjoy the trophy, the awards, whatever we give you. Go ahead and destroy them and send them back to us.
0: From a monetary value standpoint, uh, the, the latest one absolutely was worse than the scissors, but it wasn't as funny as the scissors. Uh, Samantha, anything else on this one before we get into the uh, into our NFL content this week?
1: Uh no, no, but I've I've enjoyed this, guys. It's it's been good. I've been pretty happy with the way the real awards are going, and yeah, so far, so I'm hmm? I'm pleased with these as well. You know, it's it's good to have balance. It's uh, you know we're we're happy with the awards that Major League Baseball gives out, and as long as the tiny wins the MVP, which he's probably not going to, and then I'm going to be mad, but um you know, they, they did a good job on the rest of it. So it was up to us to kind of hold up the other end of things.
0: Tito got manager of the year.
1: I mean, that's, that's, that's he so did. And, and Chris he got executive of the year. So, there you go. know, we, we got some, some hardware, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Julio getting rookie of the year was, was obviously the correct choice. And Sandy Alcantara was the correct choice. I guess Justin Berlander was the correct choice. <laughs> um, I like the book show Walter pick on the other side. Um, for NL Manager of the Year. So, yeah, so far so good. Pretty sure things are going to go downhill when we get into the MVP voting, but, you know.
0: <laughs> Irby, how about you? Anything you want to add to that before we move on to the NFL?
2: No, no, no. Good stuff, yeah. I, it wins all around, or in Patrick Corbin's case, another
0: loss. <laughs> Damn it, now I've got to focus on the NFL with that joke in my head. All right, uh move on there's a couple games we're looking at for the nfl this week samantha let's start with jets patriots we're looking at this one again uh but let's have a different conversation this time now i'm going to ask you this question but not in the context of a quarterback controversy because we also know there's there's not a quarterback controversy at least right not right now in new england so not in that terms but in terms of future looking at the future of the patriots do you think mac jones is really the guy
1: Well, it's tough to say because I think that we're looking at a slightly different model with the Patriots than we would be with most teams in that when we're looking for the guy, we're looking for the guy who can run the system there with the greatest degree of success. We're not necessarily looking for the next great athlete or mind at quarterback. So you're not... It's easy to say, well, Mac Jones can't be the guy because he can't compete with the Pat Holmes and the, the Josh Allens of, of the league. It's, of course he can't. No no one ever thought that he could, but he is the prototypical Patriots quarterback. So I think it's important to keep in mind that he was injured this season and was probably brought back too quickly, and they had sort of the panic reaction where they brought in Zappy, who is essentially the same person. He's like the... You know, if Mac is like dollar store Tom Brady, then Zappy is, you know, dime store Mac Jones. But they're effectively the same guy. And I think for a Patriots quarterback, it's really more about being able to function within that system. And I think Mac is absolutely capable of that. He's smart. He's certainly a guy who has a good football mind, which matters a whole lot more if you are playing for the Patriots than if you are playing for, let's say, the Chiefs. Under these circumstances, they're just prioritizing different things. So, yeah, I think Mac can be the guy. Um, I think there are going to be some things that he just can't do that other top quarterbacks can do, and not everybody is going to who starts in the Tom Brady mold is going to become Tom Brady. In fact, probably no one is ever going to become Tom Brady. But if you just need somebody to exist in that realm and be able to perform essentially the same function, even if they can't do it quite as well, he fits the Patriots mold. So ultimately, I think he's going to be fine. He will be the guy for the Patriots, even if he's not really a capital G guy in general.
0: Yeah, I'm fairly certain Bill Belichick doesn't want a guy that would be the capital G guy. Right? Like, like, that. that's just not Belichick's model.
1: Well, we all saw how it went with Cam Newton. I mean, I know Cam Newton was kind of washed by that point, but, mm-hmm. like, we saw what happened when Bill Belichick and, like, a modern quarterback who had a lot of the attributes that are prioritized now in the quarterback market. It's, that's not, well, it's like, we don't do that kind of work here, pal, is the way I think of
0: it. <laughs> that's not what we do here. <laughs> Irby, same question to you: uh, Is Matt Jones still the guy? Is he the guy? Not still the guy. Is he the guy for the Patriots in the future?
2: Um, sure. If you want to, if we're not going to capitalize the T and V, um, or even the G and guy. I mean, this is the guy for the foreseeable future. Uh, they, we saw some positive last year, and then it hasn't been a total disaster, right? right? It hasn't been a total disaster based it's upon total. the record. And hmm. I mean, it's a, a 500, right? They've won four of their last five. It's they beat the jets last time. Can they do it again? I mean, all those things, right? This is, this is considered a six. I don't know. No, long term No for the season. Sure. Why not?
0: All right. Well, let's take a look then. Um, so, Samantha, the AFC East is is coming into the season. I, I think this they've become what we thought the AFC West was going to be, and the West has obviously not panned out. So let, let's take a look at at this division because right now you've got the Dolphins who have won four straight. They're on top of this division at seven and three. Then you get the Jets and the Bills at six and three. Patriots are five and four. I mean, this is a nice tight division, and it's going to come down. Maybe to a game or two. I mean, the the, the Bills I think are the surprise. Uh, I didn't expect them to lose back to back games like they have the last two weeks. What are your impressions here so far from the East?
1: Um, I'm, I'm kind of trying to get my like fellow Bills fans not to
0: panic. I mean, Josh Allen, Oops, you can sorry. see
1: that he is suffering <laughs> from an injury here. Um, they played two really tough games. There was a hard luck loss a week ago against the Vikings, and your best player is clearly not at 100%, but ultimately, I think the Bills will be fine. But, I mean, it's kind of cool, right? Because since the NFC West has been, or excuse me, the AFC West has been so disappointing, um, we have the Chiefs. That's it. That's the rest it. of the division yeah. mm-hmm. is just pretty much, and they're awful, right? I mean, the, the Broncos... And the Raiders are definitely awful. And the Chargers are, in a way, also awful. So, in the East, on the other hand, this is a division where we thought we might get two playoff teams, where we thought, you know, the Bills, for sure, that had not change. And thought, maybe Miami will finally get it together this year. Maybe the Patriots can kind of do their thing and sneak in there. And both of those things have come true. Miami has been, I think, better than anybody expected. The Patriots are doing their Patriots thing, which means they are absolutely hanging around it. And then there's the Jets, who... I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody can go back and find audio of me being like, well, you know, this division to be really competitive except for the Jets. Uh-huh. Um, and the Jets are right in there, too. Now, I don't actually expect them to really be able to hang on. I mean, the good news is, is they, they could go 500 and probably still make the playoffs uh, with what their record is right now. But, you know, I, it just, they're clearly the least talented team here, Um I mean, you might be able to say the Patriots are in the running for that, but the Patriots are the Patriots, um, and they're going to be able to kind of pull wins out of nowhere. So, But whoever, I feel bad for whoever finishes at the back of the pack here, because there's going to be a very, very good team Mm, that finishes in last place in this division, and probably will get done out of a playoff spot as well. So it's a bummer you know it's you always think oh man i wish our window hadn't happened it's apparently the exact same time as everyone else in our division but it's fun for us at home because it makes it that much more exciting to watch
0: no absolutely and and the team that does finish last watch it be by a game game and a half you know mm-hmm. yeah just, just just right out of it um at the moment Irby, how about you anything you would add here on the afc east as a whole
2: That has been a fun division to watch. You know, Miami, when they're not killing their quarterback, is the best team around, and, and they're getting the job done. You've taken the place. Buffalo, I, oh man, I'd love to give Josh a couple week break, and I feel like that might be the best thing to do is just give him a breather, but that's not what's going to happen. They're going to keep plugging forward, and um, hey, at least he's not going to play in three feet of snow. Oh, that's right. They're going to play in three feet of snow this Sunday.
0: I can't wait. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I cannot wait
2: um, no. for this game. <laughs> yeah, because no, it's crazy. It's crazy about this how this plays out because these are, I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm, I'm excited to see the Jets put their, uh, their, their, their four 0 road record uh, to the test this week. Um, but golly, I mean, it's crazy. Who would have thought where, where we started and and how we talked at the beginning of the season that the, the Buffalo Bills are a game out of fourth place in this. That's crazy.
0: It's interesting you went like the reverse there, with though the Bills are a game out of last place, not that the Patriots are game out never, you know, never mind. Never mind. All right, let's let's pick this one. Samantha, who do you have here? Jets or Patriots?
1: Uh, let's see. The Patriots won the first matchup, right? Yep. Um, it's really tempting to take the Jets, but I wanna say I think they'll split. But Guys, I don't think they're going to play. I'm sorry, guys. I want this for, for Zach Wilson and for the Colts of Zach Wilson, which we are all members. But I don't think so. I'm going to go Patriots here. Bill's going to get it done.
0: Irby, how about you? Jets, Patriots.
2: Uh, you know, I'm going to stick with my fun. Uh, uh, 4-0. The Jets are 4-0 on the road. Let's get to 5-0. and 5-0, Jets. Yeah, uh, enact the revenge. Uh, yeah, it was a twenty-two seventeen 17 in, in Boston two weeks ago, only two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Jets Jets get it done this time. Zach Wilson throws less interceptions than whoever's quarterbacking. <laughs> I
0: am also taking the Jets just because I think it's going to be fun. Um, but you know, I also think the Jets can... Beat the Patriots in Foxborough. All right, let's let's move out to the NFC. Samantha, we're going to talk about Cowboys Vikings. Uh, the only both of these guys were the only two overtime games. I think I didn't see any others. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was the only overtime game, right? The Cowboys game in, the, in Green Bay, the Vikings in Buffalo. Um, so they they had some overtime action last week. Let's talk about the Cowboys defense, uh, which I think we learned a lot uh, on Sunday that will allow us to talk about this, but in terms of how far does this Cowboys defense take the Dallas Cowboys? Like, like, you know, where they're at in this season, their strengths, their weaknesses. What do you think, Samantha? How far can the Cowboys defense take them?
1: Well, this is tough because I feel like my answer prior to Sunday is different than my answer now um, Mm -hmm. because – You know, what we would have said before this is, well, this defense can go as far as the offense can basically hang on for. But the offense did their job against Green Bay. It was the defense that that didn't get it done. So the offense scored enough points to be able to win a game against the Green Bay Packers. And the defense did not perform well. So we can throw that game out. And at this point, that's what I'm going to do is throw that game out because everybody has a bad one. Right. Just sure, like we all yeah. know the Eagles are gonna be fine. You know, they lost right. to the commanders, and while the commanders are better than they were when Carson Wentz was out there, they're still not like a great team. So I'm gonna look at that Cowboys Packers game the exact same way and say, you know, sooner or later Aaron Rodgers was just gonna decide that maybe he'd like to win a football game every once in a <laughs> while, and the Cowboys were gonna have a clunker. So as long as we have just that one piece of evidence that, that suggests that, and I'm going to go ahead and say I think this is still a very, very good defense that just had a really bad week. Um, I would love to say I thought they got out schemed. That would make this easier, but I don't think Green Bay is capable of out scheming anyone because I don't think now the <laughs> or his staff has a clue what they are doing. So I don't think they got outsmarted. I think they just got beat. There was some bad execution in this game. Everybody there looked off, but they're one of the best coached units. Um, I mean, not the head coach. The head oh, coach, yeah, yeah. Joe, I know where you're going out. Mm-hmm. Defensively speaking, they are a very well coached unit. Um, they have a ton of talent and players who can execute commensurately with their talent level. And that doesn't change just because you had a dud against Green Bay, because everybody does this, right? Every good team. This is why those idiots from the 72 Dolphins are still around. Yeah. Because teams just have clunkers, mm-hmm. right? So we got to keep listening to those yo-yos because it's like really hard to just win all of your games or to only lose to other extremely good teams. Like good teams lose to bad teams in football. It just happens. And so I'm going to chalk this particular loss and this particular performance up to that and say, yes, I think the Cowboys defense can go as far as their offense can help them get.
0: I just want to bring this up because this is—it's not necessarily about the defense uh, per se. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a team-wide problem with Dallas, uh, but but it seems like whether it's the play, whether they you know they, they steamroll the NFC and and they get the bye and they've got a bye going into the playoffs or their bye week during the regular season they struggle they're sluggish they're not quite ready to play football when they come out of the bye. This was this this past week was them coming out of the bye. And Samantha, here's here's where I struggle because I can't I can't put my finger on why. Because because this is a problem that goes back to Wade Phillips. I mean, this goes back 3 coaches ago, 3 different teams ago. It seems like for whatever reason they just struggle coming out of the bye week.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I I'm with you. Like I don't know. I mean, my instinct when things go wrong with the Cowboys is to blame the head coach because like most things, I mean, if there's a problem, Mike McCarthy probably caused it, right? Like, the dude is like, any success that the Cowboys are having in this particular era is in spite of, not because of Mike McCarthy. (laughs) He is not a good coach, guys. He's just not a good coach. He's not a good coach by the numbers. He's not a good coach by the eye test. He's not a good in-game manager. He's, miserable as a motivator so okay if this problem only existed in the Mike McCarthy area you could point at that and say like remember when this idiot was smashing watermelons with hammers like (laughs) no wonder he can't like motivate a team coming off of a fly like but like you're right this problem extends further than that so it's probably just a coincidence this is difficult stuff to quantify and because we're talking about different coaching staffs and a lot of different players because like you said you have to go all the way back to Wade Phillips then it's most likely just a coincidence. Um, It probably isn't anything meaningful, but I also think it's, you know, if there's a problem, unless we're talking about like a specific execution error on the field, it's, you can probably just blame Mike McCarthy for it. I mean, that is quantifiable.
0: <laughs> I could go full full fledged conspiracy theorists and say like, the only common denominator is Jerry Jones, but I'm not going there. I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to you know to 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 allow Jerry Jones to you know control this podcast. I'm kidding. Irby, how about you? <laughs> how far can the Cowboys defense take him?
2: Well, if you can clone Micah Parsons, pretty far right? Just, yeah, just run yeah. 11 Micas out there. Hey, uh, real quick, i answer your question. Yes, it was the only two overtime games. And uh, to make up for that, the uh, the Bears and the Saints defenses did not play second halves. So, that made up for, just kind of <laughs> evened everything out.
0: Well, as long as we're all even, uh, that's, that's square yeah. playing field.
2: Okay. Square playing field. Um, yeah, this Dallas team is weird because it's, at times, it's been the defense that's carried them, and then at times it's been the offense, and Um, I, I, this is the problem with, with what, you know, is frustrating for Cowboy fans. And it's really been the mantra during this, this entire Dak era, which I know it's not just him, but it's this last half a decade of, yeah, they get some great wins in there and then they get clunkers. And when you have enough of those, like that, like what we see from this Cowboys team, they're going to have a winning record. They're going to have a solid record. They're going to make the playoffs. They might even win a playoff game, but Dallas can't win three playoff games in a row. Dallas, I don't know if they can win two playoff games in a row, and that's the problem. Can we start with one? The, Let's get one. Well, that, and that's the thing. Yeah, they, they can get this team is fully capable of hanging with anybody in the NFC, <laughs> and, and we might see that this Sunday. They can hang with Minnesota. I, I the, what the defense has done, what the, the capabilities of the offense. Yes, this team can hang and they can beat anybody. My gosh, if the Houston Texans have a win, absolutely the Cowboys can get a win against anybody in the NFC. But I don't think they can win two in a row, let alone three <laughs> or more. Whatever it's going to take to 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 be successful in January. That's the, so. How far can the defense take them? Pretty damn far. Like I, 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 they, 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 they this team can compete with anybody, and the defense is a huge plus of that. With that said, if it's one of those days, if it's one of those games when when Diggs is not getting his interceptions and he's giving up tons of yardage, when the defensive line is not getting enough pressure, when they're not making stops on the last drive that they have to make a stop, this Cowboys team can be one and done in the postseason.
0: Yeah, let's focus on one for the Cowboys. I, I'm fairly certain, Smith, that there are – teams that were that were defeated in the division series of the baseball playoffs that had more postseason wins this year than the Cowboys have had in the last 30. So let's let's just – neither here nor there. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's,
1: yeah.
0: Let's, <laughs> let's talk matchup because <laughs> we haven't seen this matchup yet. Like, this is what's going to be fun, I think, about this game. is it, it, the, These are two teams that don't usually <laughs> play each other, so we haven't seen this matchup yet. And, and just to kind of kick you off here – uh, Samantha, I, I think I want to focus on this when you look at that Cowboys defense against the the Vikings offense it's a Cowboys defense that struggles against the rush. they tried you know they, they didn't trade right before the deadline to try to shore up the middle of that line but as you as we all saw in this past week they're still struggling to stop the running game. there's no Jordan Lewis Brown had to leave the game on Sunday. So there's no telling what his status is going to be going into this week. So you've got a team a team that struggles against the run and is missing people in the secondary going up against Dalvin Cook, Jefferson and Thielen, and Kirk Cousins. Doesn't seem like the best the best recipe for the Cowboys defense.
1: Yeah, it's not a great matchup. I mean, it's one of the weirdest things about this is when is the last time both of these teams have been good at the same time? Like, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure it's happened in our lifetime where both of these teams were truly competitive, Um, which is mostly a a Vikings failing, not a Cowboys failing. But um, but I, I don't know that we've ever seen, like, a a matchup where we came in and went, ooh, Cowboys Vikings, this is going to be good. Like, I don't think I've ever looked at that matchup before and went, ooh, here we go. So, but what's interesting is, is I I talked last week I'm like really, really interested in this like quantification of luck um, that we're doing now. And I I will place the same caveat that I did before and say that the metric is not perfect. Um, There are some flaws in this, but it is a a reasonably good measure uh, to go on. And I mentioned that the Vikings had been very, very lucky, uh, mostly because they had played so many backup quarterbacks. And they, you know, it came into play, I think, a little bit in the game against Buffalo um, a week ago. They were a little bit lucky. They had a higher luck uh, rating um, than the Bills did. But guess who's got a, an even better uh, luck ranking than the Vikings? The Cowboys are actually say. the third luckiest team in the NFL. Right now, which was surprising to me, um, because certainly I I don't attribute most of the Cowboys' wins to luck, whereas the Vikings' wins, you look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, they got lucky here, they got lucky here, you can almost pinpoint it, um, and, and the metric is a lot more sophisticated than that, um, so it does make sense, in a way, you know, the way that they've quantified this, but very bizarre, and... So, okay, that's one thing that's going to come into play here, right, is the Cowboys, you know, how their luck has manifested seems like exactly the kind of things that might get handed to you by a team like the Vikings. Like where Kirk Cousins fumbled the snap twice a week ago and still won a football game, like, against (laughs) one of the best teams in the NFL. So that's, like, pretty darn lucky. Um, so you figure, well, is that going to happen again? I don't know. Minnesota, they're, they're pretty lucky. But Cowboys are lucky. And it's not like the Vikings are winning games because they're, like, unstoppable in every way possible. But Dallas cannot play defense the way that they played defense last week and expect to be able to stop Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and the Vikings' run game. I... If you can't stop the Packers from putting 30 points on the board, then the Vikings are going to put 50 points on the board. So Dallas is going to need to fix whatever issues they were having a week ago. And we're going to hope that we're right, that that was just a conquer, and they're going to be fine, in which case I think Dallas is probably a team that's actually extraordinarily well-positioned to stop a team like Minnesota. But if they do what they did a week ago, (laughs) then this is going to be a slaughter. Um, So, so I think we're just going to have to hope that that was an anomaly and not a regression. Let's say.
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe just maybe you know the the Cowboys just got their clunker out last week.
1: Let's just let's hope so. I I really do think that's what it is. For the record, I think that's exactly what happened.
0: Oh boy, Irby, how about you? Uh, Matchup here, Vikings Cowboys. What are you thinking?
2: Well, I uh, you, first of all let's let's take a stroll down memory lane. Threat, you brought up a great point. When is the last time that the Cowboys and the Vikings were good together? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> January seventh, twenty ten, the divisional round game in Minnesota coaching at that time, Brad Childress versus Wade Phillips. Isn't this, is this Brett
1: Favre Vikings? This is Brett, Brett
2: Favre. Brett right? Favre versus Tony Romo.
1: That was my guess. Okay. That would have been my best. Very guess. good. Uh, I bet this is the Brett Favre Vikings here. The last year this happened. Because then they go, <clears throat> don't they, they play the Saints after that, don't they? Vikings, don't they go on to play the Saints?
2: Uh, yes, season? that is correct. So. That is correct. Okay. They, they go awesome. on and lose to the Saints. They lose to the Saints in the next round. Very good. But, yes, the Vikings that day. Um, hopefully, we will get a better game this Sunday. Minnesota beat Dallas that day 34-3. to Yikes. Uh, Brett Favre threw four touchdown passes, three of them to Sidney Rice. And the fourth one. nope, oh, couldn't have paid me enough money or given me enough time to have guessed this one, to his tight end, Vicente Shinneko. <laughs> I do remember of his sensei. Is this the oh. Jessica
1: Simpson season two for Tony Romo?
2: Yes, uh, Tony. Yes, I believe that is the Jessica Simpson year. Tony that day, um, not a terrible completion, twenty-two of thirty-five for one ninety-eight. However, no touchdowns. Obviously, he threw a pick. He was sacked six times. He fumbled three times, and two times it was lost. <laughs> Negative three. And your turnover ratio in a playoff game on the road really turns out well
0: all right well Samantha anything you want to add here before we pick it? No let's do it let's do
1: it I haven't made a pick on this game yet um, because I didn't know what to do with it so I'm, we're gonna I'm just gonna do it in a moment here let's do it in the moment <laughs> I like that okay game is in Dallas is that correct it is in Minnesota it's in Minnesota who boy okay I'm still taking Dallas I I think Minnesota has been lucky too many times um and I, I think Dallas uh, was unlucky a week ago and also I just I, I can't believe they're really gonna perform that poorly two weeks in a row so I'm gonna take Dallas and I might be very wrong about this uh, this is gonna be an interesting game for sure but I'm going go Dallas I think it's going to be a bad day for Kirk.
0: (laughs) Herbie, how about you?
2: Yeah, first time the matchup scored 37 points. Hopefully this one's not 34 to 3. I'll take the same number, 37, but a 20 to 17 is how it's differentiated out in this one. And that's a Cowboys win, 20 to 17. The Vikings, their string of seven straight wins in one-possession games comes to an end. That's right. They won week one by more than one possession, lost week two by more than one possession. Everything since has been a one-possession game. So that comes to an end, the one-possession loss.
0: Ruby bringing the stats. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to take the Cowboys because there's a couple of things about that Packers game. Uh, it, was, it was coming off the bye, which I brought up earlier. Uh, it was also Lambeau Field, which I swear to Christ, there, there is a voodoo doll of Jerry Jones somewhere in the bowels of that stadium because the Cowboys find ways to lose there that they just don't everywhere else. So I don't expect that to happen again this week in Minnesota. All right, so we now have – we're at the end of the show here, so we have our, our final segment, our new segment – Uh, This is going to be interactive, so this is going to be very similar to Let's Remember Some Trades, only this time, small wrinkle, instead of Samantha tossing a year and some teams and and Irby and I have to figure out the trade, uh, we're going to be switching off. I'm taking week one. Uh, Each of us is going to take a week going forward, and we're going to take a team in the NFL. We're calling it Team X that did Team Y, so... We're going to pick a team who hasn't done something in a considerable amount of time. It could be Super Bowl appearances. It could be playoff appearances. It could be losing seasons. The last time the Patriots had a losing season type of stuff. Okay? We're going to do that, and we're going to take a look at that year. We're going to take a look at the pop culture of that year, and we're going to explore what life was like at that time, Samantha, anything you want to add here to what we're doing before I before I do the debut segment of our pop culture time capsule?
1: Uh not really. No, that's um. I I suppose I would just add that you guys can absolutely play along at home that week this week, yes. just like our previous interactive segments. He's going to give us a situation and a year, and then he's going to ask us some questions about it, and we're going to see if we can all kind of get together and figure this stuff out. So how well do you know the pop culture? You know, we love pop culture stuff on this show, or there's a segment of pop culture uh, that we love, and um, I guess the other thing about this is we, we sort of agreed on a date range for this. Um, we're starting in the 1980s. Did we cut it? We started with 1980s, 1980, 1980. right? Yeah, um, yep. So cut The cutoff is nineteen eighty. Year 1980 is the start of this, and then we're running through, I believe, 2010. Is that correct?
0: 30 years. That's so we have
1: 30 years of history to work with, nothing too recent because that feels too easy, and nothing so far back that, well, nobody on this show would be old enough to remember it. And, you know, <laughs> to be fair, we can't actually remember the early 80s stuff, but we know a lot about it because we are all 80s enthusiasts, and, and we're hoping that you guys are too. So it 90s and early aughts enthusiasts. So any of those things are fair game here, and Beau is going to kick us off here. What do you have for us?
0: In January of 1992, the then named Washington Redskins won their last Super Bowl. So, what was life like in the year 1992? Let's start with the go to when you talk about pulp culture domestic box office for 1992. All I'm going to ask you guys to come up with is the top grossing film of 1992 that's going to kick us off. Okay, now, of course, I'll give hints, as I need to give hints, but I'm asking you guys now, 1992, do you have any guesses on the top grossing film from
1: 1992? Um, I mean, I have some guesses. Okay. Um, oh, this is, see, what's going to be tricky is, can I get the exact year? So, like, I know for a fact that Wayne's World came out this year, but I don't mm. think that's the top grossing film uh-huh. of that year. i I guessing also I think Aladdin came out that year, uh-huh. and then the other ones that I would know are, I think this is The Bodyguard, if I'm remembering correctly, and Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I'm thinking of all the stuff that 7th grade me was, was <laughs> trying to go see, or I actually know it would be 6th grade me. Never mind, 6th grade me. Um, but, um, gosh, there's what else came out that year. This might be Home Alone 2, actually. Now that I think about it, yes. not yeah, yeah, you're right.
2: That's the here. only one I could bring to so the I'm table here was Home Alone 2. Home
1: Alone two, or uh, what was the Batman movie that came out around then? There's a Batman. Oh, um, the one with the the, the the Val Kilmer
0: was it? It
1: was not Val Kilmer, or, but you're close. No, it's the one before that. It's the one with Cat Danny DeVito and Penguin. <laughs> So I'm thinking by process of elimination, it's got to be either that or Home Alone, based on like what I would think would have done well at the box office, unless I got the year wrong. Um, but those are my best guesses.
0: Okay. Irby, do you have a, you have a guess for the, for the top top box office film for 1992?
2: I would say the, the, the only movies I could bring to the, the table here were going to be Home Alone 2 and... Um, I believe a League of Their Own came out that same year. I'm not I'm oh, doubting like, no, that I that was
1: that one was a year later, but I might be wrong about that. That could be I, I'm just trying to think how but I don't think that's right gonna like
2: be one of our top year. dogs here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh um, that's the right time period for sure.
2: Yeah, it's if if your <laughs> movie Yeah, Home Alone Two, that one might be it. Unless you're correct about Aladdin, because if it's Aladdin, then I'm going to go with Disney because Disney and this was the beginning of Disney had a bunch of heavy hitters in here. So if you're right about Aladdin, <laughs> the yeah, and I'm not
1: sure if that that could be a year in either direction. Yeah,
2: well, no, no, you know,
1: no, it wouldn't
2: have been it, it wouldn't be have been 93
1: because that's getting be into Jurassic Park, but it could be 91. Yeah, um, I'm not totally sure about that. The Batman one, for sure. I know Wayne's World is right, but I know that didn't gross as high. League of your League of Their Own, I'm assuming, wouldn't have had that high of a box office. So, so we're down to Aladdin, Home Alone 2, and the Batman movie. Maybe? Was, I mean, yeah, Bat- story, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. But what I can't remember about that is if it was like a flop. Like, I know that would have been a big budget movie like an expensive movie to make. But what I can't remember is if it did well at the box
2: office. I, yeah, It see. So I that's what know. being that age, I, I can't remember numbers like that. It, it was definitely, like you known. said, yeah. big budget. It would have been summertime. So I'm going to yeah. guess if it's summertime, that it probably did pretty well. Maybe yeah. ran out of steam quickly, but I'm going to assume in summertime release, you're going to, you're going to have made a few dollars. But
1: would it have done better than home alone too? No, I, uh, I think they both did better than Aladdin, but we don't even know if we we're right on the year about that. I don't know.
2: No, no, see, I think Aladdin's going to be your top dog. If Aladdin, if the year is correct, because that's when Disney, Disney's dominance was in the early 90s. And, and they had some big numbers between that and eventually Lion King, uh, Little Mermaid in there as well. They made some serious money. So I, I would think Aladdin would be higher if the year is correct. But I, I'm okay. with you, I don't, I, it might have been
1: 91. <laughs> I'm gonna, oh man, I don't know what to do. I feel so, like I want to guess the Batman,
0: but I don't know <clears throat> if that's right. <clears throat> all right, so what? I, I will give you this hint. All of the movies you are talking about Batman Returns, Home Alone 2, Wayne's World, League of Their Own, Aladdin, The Han- <laughs> Han- they are all from 1992. Oh,
1: okay. Well, okay. At least we're good at that part of it. You, okay, you guys so you nailed could. this.
0: Okay, you got you okay. got a, you got a lot of the movies from from like the top movies from '92. Okay. But which one was the best? Which one was the top gross? That's actually a really funny okay. thing. So everybody
1: thinks it's Aladdin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin. Okay. All right. Oh man. See, I'm I'm not going to pick Aladdin. I'm going to pick either Home Alone Two or the or Batman Returns. Uh,
0: oh. What's it going to be?
1: I think it's Batman. I might be super wrong about this. Like, I'm gonna be. This may have been a total box office flop, but I'm thinking to be a summer box office. <laughs> I'm going with Batman Returns.
0: Samantha got it right. It is one again. Ba- Batman. Returns. Well done. Batman oh, Returns man. checks in at number one. Now, here I'm gonna give you guys the top ten, just so you how close you were. Uh, okay. Cool. All right. So, Batman Returns is that was the top grossing movie. From 1992. Number two was Lethal Weapon 3. Would never have gotten that. Okay. Number three was Sister Act. Number four. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Number four was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay. Okay. Number five was Wayne's World. Number six was Basic Instinct. I forgot about Basic Instinct when I, when, I was, when I was looking at these at this top ten. Well,
1: because we were children, so none of us saw it. <laughs>
0: like, okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's uh, a good point. We all
1: knew about it, right? I definitely knew about it. Like That was the, the talk of elementary school, middle school. Like, there, there's definitely some rumors about that. Uh, you know s- some kids saw that. Some kid in the
0: class saw it. Uh, <laughs> number seven was The League of Their Own okay okay all right. yeah number, number eight number eight was one that was very popular amongst us three and it was it was it was kind of tossed around here but uh number eight did you wake me up did you bring me here and all of a sudden you're walking out on me i don't think so not right now yeah. <laughs> number eight was Aladdin. From Disney. Wow, I, I swung it big time on that way one. Way lower than I thought.
1: Like <laughs> me too. I, I just assumed that would be. Was
2: it was was Aladdin <laughs> released? Thought. Was it like released that in ninety one? Into ninety two? No. No.
0: no. It it was really. The re- release date was November thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. It
2: was I... a holiday movie. So they must have made a ton of money in ninety three as well. Yeah, yeah. I wonder about that. Okay. Mm. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. Good. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Nice.
0: Yeah, so, Erby, to answer your question, it made $99 million in 1992 and $217 million total. So, okay. okay. There's your answer. Oh. Uh, huh. All right. Uh, number nine. Samantha, I was actually surprised one of you got this, but number nine was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Well done.
1: I, I, that was a very, very like significant like life movie for me. Not because the actual movie had any significance, but because it was very important to me. Um, as a middle schooler, to be able to go see that movie, even though it was rated R, and I had no business watching a movie like that, but I, I made it. I, I made my way into the theater and saw it. And then I had nightmares months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, that one I definitely knew when that came out. <laughs> I
0: remember you know, the nightmares very clearly. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that Hand the Rocks the Cradle. The distributor of that was Walt Disney Studios.
1: That's frightening. That is <laughs> that is truly frightening. That movie is just like gross and super problematic, and I don't know why. Like as, like eleven year olds, we were obsessively interested in it. and It probably doesn't say anything good about my community. <laughs> we all wanted to see it real bad.
0: Uh, <laughs> rounding out rounding out that top ten is Under Siege, starring Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Gary Busey and Steven Seagal.
1: Okay. That yeah. That sounds wow. Timing wise, although I would never have
0: been able to pin that down to an exact
1: year. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Cool. cool. All
0: right. So (laughs) moving on. Moving on. Now I've got two more for you, and then and then I'm just going to kind of recap 1992 and some other things that happened in 1992. So let's talk singles. Let's talk the top Billboard 100 singles of 1992. Do you guys want to take a stab at the top? Of that chart, the top billboard from 1992. Okay, so
1: I'm going to recuse myself from this temporarily because I know the answer to this. Okay. Um, I was obsessively interested in the billboard charts during this, like, phase of life. Like, I would say probably from when I was, like, about eight till I was about, like, 13. <laughs> so I know the answer to this. I could probably even give you, like, the top, I don't know, three or something, um, but I yeah. definitely know There's what the number one, one is, so I will <laughs> temporarily recuse myself from this and let Irby take a shot at it, and if nobody gets it, then I will say it, but I i know what it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what comes after it, too, but we'll see. I might be wrong about
2: that. Okay. <laughs> Alright, Irby.
0: What do you got for us here?
2: Man, this is not my arena. Golly.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is like, yeah. This is, this is my I do the
2: numbers. I, don't <laughs> do <you? laughs> I the only thing, and this is going to be because of being a a a late middle, a late, not middle school, a late elementary school kid and listening to this song on a CD and a Walkman, you know, <laughs> that found, uh would have been fun. I'm going to make sure my kids aren't around. Uh, was this the year of Baby Got Back?
0: Oh, you know, you're close? Yeah,
2: but that's not. Ooh! You're close. it. <laughs> <But yeah. Damn. laughs> mm-hmm.
0: You are very uh, close. Very close. Very, very close. Uh, <laughs> not quite, though. Yeah. That was number, that was number two. That was number one.
2: That's that's all I can think of. Uh, I'm sure it's because this is the era of what, like Michael Jackson and, and Vanessa Williams and Boys to Men and. A Obviously class. Sir Mix a lot. Yeah. Um Yeah. You,
1: you
0: actually
2: a baby well. Mariah Carey around here too. I'm sure Madonna was in the middle of all this too, right?
0: Man, he's Samantha, he's so close to like the top four. <laughs> I yeah, I'm uh, uh,
1: sure all of those are would be on here. I'm not sure about Madonna. at this one I think that oh no no, there was a Madonna because um uh the, the, yeah, this used to yeah, be my playground. Yeah, They're yeah from League yeah, of Their own. That mm-hmm. would be in there somewhere. That checked in at um, twenty one. But all the rest of those are on there. Like, I'm pretty sure if I'm right about the top five, you you just said two of them mm-hmm. plus Baby Got Back. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. Mm-hmm. So, okay. okay. Oh. And then the, there would be a Michael Jackson song because I think Black or White maybe came out that year, if I'm remembering correctly. That album. So I think there's Michael Jackson in there somewhere, but that would be further mm-hmm. down the chart.
0: That was 14. So. Wait, so, so, so I got
2: a Okay. You said I got a
0: top five.
2: You got two of them. You got actually. two
0: of them. Well, three if you count oh. baby got. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Got. If you count baby
1: got back, you got three of them.
2: Yeah. Oh, we got we got three of the arms. All right. Well, How then, then I'm gonna hey. Then at this point, I'm gonna pull a bow on. Let's remember some trades, and I'm gonna bail out and Samantha. Tell you.
0: <laughs> all right, Samantha. What do you got okay. for? us?
1: Okay. Do you want me to see if I can do all five? I I don't think I can. I think I can only do four. I okay. would be guessing at the fifth one, but I know I know the number one is "End of the Road" by Boys Tonight.
0: That is It is correct. It's correct. And
1: "Baby Got Back" is number two. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm pretty sure number three would be "Criss Cross." Uh huh. Jump, jump. Yep. Um, oh and wow! That, and number four would be you. You said Vanessa Williams saved the best for last. You yep. know because I That's wrote four. it out for um, when we had to make poetry books when I was in sixth grade, um, and you had to write out song lyrics, and I picked that song. Uh, I don't know why I don't even remember what the theme of the book was but I was apparently very into Vanessa Williams and then I don't know what the next one is I, I was toying with Color Me Bad but I think I'm actually I think that was actually the year before uh-huh. um, I mean I'm sure they're still around at this point but I don't think they would be that high so I'm going to guess this is either um oh gosh this, is it Mr. Big? no you're close um <laughs> Um, I'm down to like Mr. Big. Um, uh, I'm sure there's some Carey in there somewhere. November Rain by Guns N' Roses would be around somewhere. Probably T- TLC, Baby, Baby, Baby. There's, that one's got
0: to be in there. That's your number and, five.
1: Oh, that was it? That oh, was okay, five. good. Okay, I'm going to quit yep. then. I'm going to quit because I'm not <laughs> going to be able to get them in order.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so to recap. This is um, my
1: weird talent, guys. So, <laughs> Seems like I can do.
0: <laughs> to recap, uh, your, your top-rated uh, Billboard song from 1982 was Into the Robot by Boys to Men. Baby Got Back from Sir Mix-a-Lots, number two. Jump from Criss-Cross number three. Say the Best for Last From by Vanessa Williams is number four. Baby, Baby, Baby by TLC is number five. Uh, rounding out the top ten, you've got Tears in Heaven at number six oh, by yeah, Eric Clapton. Yeah. Uh, My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It by In Vogue. Under the Bridge oh, yeah. by Red Hot Chili Peppers taking you right back to prom. Isn't it, Samantha? All for Love by <laughs> Color Me Bad. Prom? We were a little young for prom and just yeah but they were still playing this in my prom uh just oh, another day like, great dance i was like yeah we were very into that fun we thought it was cool uh. Uh, just another day <laughs> yeah, yeah, by john cicada that cracks out the top 10 samantha just oh. for fun i wanted to bring this up because i know you're the mm-hmm. avid reader of the group do you want to take a shot at the top five novels from 1992
1: Oh, this... Okay, so this I'm not going to know, I don't think, because I would have still been reading, like, kids' books Uh at that point. But I can try. Um, Okay, top novels. What would have come out around that time? It's too early for Secret History. Oh, Um, is it? Or is it? Is Is it? it? Okay, so the the ones the ones that i know actually i do think that's 92 it was either 92 or 93 so one of them is going to be secret history by Donna Tart. Mm-hmm. um and i think what's the john grisham book for that year I'll give probably you a pelican hint. it was a movie. probably pelican brief if i'm <laughs> thinking about it correctly yeah um what else there, I'm sure there's a Stephen King book in there, but I'm not going to know what it is because I don't read Stephen King. And I'm wondering about maybe The English Patient um, by Michael Ondaatje, which I'm butchering his name. I know it, but um, I know because the movie adaptation of that comes like a couple of years later. But other than that, I don't know. Um, you know what? I was probably too young to know.
0: I'm going to so. I, I count that as a win because uh, The Secret History by Donna Tartt was number one. Oh wow! Okay, the cool. pe- the Pelican okay. Brief by John Grisham was number two. Okay, okay. Uh, number three was Dragonfly in Amber. Wow! Well, uh, wow! I don't even know what that is. <laughs> number <laughs> sure. <laughs> number four is She's Come Undone.
1: Uh,
0: number five is Snow Crash. Here's here's what's fun. Number six in 1992. Now now those those of us that you know. Of our generation, like like, th- like this, this book is is something that that resonates because of its popularity. Not whether you're not you you go by like you buy by what's in the book, but its popularity is going to speak. Uh, number six was "Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus."
1: Oh, I didn't even think about stuff like that. Oh my gosh! And you know, you guys, I I'm proud to say I've never read a self help book. Ever and I never will I detest them but you're right that's very zeitgeisty like that would have been a thing people said around that time very like pop psychology yeah oh that's so funny
0: (laughs) all right so so before we get out of here some fun facts about 1992 uh in the technology world windows 3.1 was released in 1992 and for those of us that were on computers back in 1992. It would be three years before we got Windows 95. So 3.1 really was a big part <laughs> I of mean, our that childhood. that sounds
2: about
1: right for Windows, <laughs> right? Like, that sounds about right. I don't know. I haven't used Windows like literally probably since 1992. But that seems right. <laughs> oh,
0: yikes. I, I, IBM released its first ThinkBad notebook, portable computer, also known today as a laptop, back in 1992. Uh, Mobile phones used a very breathtaking technology at the time that was 2G. (coughs) 2G (laughs) mobile phones were launched in 1992. Uh, The image uh, file JPEG was finalized in 1992 uh in the world of sports irby this one's for you uh the uh the fa premier league was formed in 1992 the toronto blue jays won the world series the chicago bulls won the 92 nba finals and as we talked about at the top of this segment the washington redskins won the Super Bowl. that was 1992 and also bill clinton was elected president but i don't really want to talk about politics
1: would that have been um, Mark Rippon?
0: Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Okay. That would be one Mark Rippon as the Joe quarterback. Gibbs. Joe Gibbs, yeah. You got it.
2: All right, all right. <laughs> hey, I can give you a fun sports one there to go along with what you said, though, because you know me and always finding a way to slip these in. Sure. Also, 1992 was the last year that the Olympics were played the same year. Ooh, 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. 92 okay. Winter in Albertville, France, and then two years later, we were 94 in Lillehammer, Norway.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even realize that was when they split. Okay. I don't know if I would have been able to pin that down. That's interesting. All right. Well, that was super fun, though. I, I enjoyed that. This is great. A little trip down memory lane for everybody. Great stuff. Great stuff.
2: Yeah, except no, for no, the music. Maybe, maybe Ir- Irby's Irby's definitely not here for the music. That was although I got I got kind of half credit, right? A little half credit. There. Yeah, no, you
1: no, you <laughs> did fine on that.
2: Actually, Uh
1: that's just that's my secret talent. Uh.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's just not tell anyone that the only song I got right was "Baby Got Back."
1: Baby got back. I don't know. That's not a bad claim to fame. I mean, <laughs> it is a song that has endured the test of time.
0: All right. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Do us a favor, if you're li- wherever you're listening to us at, just give us a like, give us a review, give us a subscribe. Hit us on Twitter. Those handles are in the uh, the, the summation of the show. Until next week, watch some football. It's good for you.